Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To watching the Tudors. I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And this is the show where we watch the Tudors. Well, for me, it's rewatching it. And for Jonathan, it's watching it for, for the, the first, first time. And talk about what was true, what wasn't true, and the history behind the drama. So if you don't know um, me, I'm Heather, and I've been podcasting on Tudor England since 2009 with the Renaissance English History Podcast. And I thought it would be fun to go back and rewatch the show after like 12 years, 13, 10 years, however long it's been, and think about what was true and what wasn't and how it was portrayed, et cetera, et cetera. And it gives me, Jonathan, her husband, the perfect, perfect opportunity to watch the show for the first time and finally learn about this era of history that my wife is thoroughly entrenched in. So <laughs> thoroughly entrenched. Yeah. And I and I ask questions along the way so that we can all learn a little bit more. About the tutors. So you can also check out my other show, the Renaissance English History Podcast at Englandcast.com where there are over two hundred episodes, or of course whatever podcatcher you are using to listen to this now. So, um, this is season three, episode five, and it's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, it was sort of the yeah, dark and strange, and, yeah, and seemed very long. It did to me. It seemed long to me too. Um, and I remember having watched this the first time. I remember, I remember distinctly watching this. I was on the elliptical machine watching it. Um, you had bought me the DVDs for my birthday. Oh, I'm so sweet. You are. We talked about this before okay. once. Um, and anyway, I remember thinking it was weird then, and I still think it was weird. <laughs> it's weird now. But I, I get it. You know, I, it, I understand the artistry behind it and the meanings and everything like that. So, um, yeah. So we basically have Henry recovering from Jane's death and dealing with his grief. And then we have a manhunt for Reginald Pole going on. And those are kind of like the two big themes happening and and then a, a like creation of a church of a church oh yeah that like minor thing thrown in <laughs> in the last five minutes kind of right like a, a, a side note side note we're church making, of england we're making a church yep all yeah. right so do you want to start asking me stuff yeah well i just before before that i just i just want to say it was this episode was quite different from the rest of the tutors mm -hmm. but i really i really enjoyed it on, on its you? own as as part of the tutors it seemed strange and out of place but what just, did you like about it it was just more artistic. Like there was more thinking and less just story, 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 action, mm. action, action, action. Like more, more, more. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like you had to think a little bit and yeah. wonder what was going on. And yeah. And, and it made Henry seem a little more complex uh, and less just sort of yeah. hot and cold, but more like in a pondering, exploratory space. 
you know, I think it's nice that they did that because I do think he had that side to him. He was, you know, we talked about this last time, how he was very interested in theology and he had a lot of, a lot of interests around, like he was given a humanist Renaissance education. So he was interested in all the classics. He knew all of the different languages and um, he was interested in medicine and he was interested in technology and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, had he not been, you know, kind of a tyrant, <laughs> there yeah. was that small detail. But it wasn't like he was only interested in fighting and girls and exactly. money. And He composed music. He yeah. was a poet. He composed masses, which musicologists have called average <laughs> which is better which is than not any bad i mean I he's ever... not just like a junk thing exactly. like this because i'm the king so. yeah and he there was the famous song that was the the like despacito of 1517 was his pastime with good company which mm. he oh that pastime with good company you know. know that Shirley? No. You don't know that? No, and please I thought stop everybody. Me, please stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> I thought everybody knew that. No. It was a very famous song that Henry VIII wrote and people loved it. Okay. And so anyway, yes, there was more to him and so it's interesting to see it in this episode. I guess let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay. Uh, Jane, at the beginning, yes. um, it depicted a coffin, like with yes. her praying. Is it, did you, Does she have a fancy coffin like that? Did she? Do so we interestingly, she probably would have had something like that. That's how you were, you, they had desk, death masks that were made. And that was the traditional, how people were laid out. Her tomb now is actually, it's, it's funny that both Henry VIII and Jane Seymour are buried together. He wanted to be buried with her. Um, of all of his wives uh -huh. and they're like underground in Windsor chapel and there's no great tomb. It, there's just a slab. I mean, of all mm. of the different tombs and stuff that there are, there's just a, a, a brick, a slab that you kind of walk around and it says here lies Henry and Jane Seymour. That's crazy. And you know, so they, there's not this huge memorial to them. This giant. I mean, I, I, if you were to have me guessed, I would yeah. have guessed there was like they built a cathedral well, like, Henry for the, them. Henry the Seventh built the uh, a chapel onto Westminster Abbey uh -huh. where he wanted to have everybody, and he's buried there, yeah. and that's where he wanted to have everybody buried. Um, but Henry the Eighth wanted to be buried at Windsor with Jane Seymour, and he had plans. He actually had plans for this big memorial that he he took Cardinal Woolsey's plans. Cardinal Woolsey had these plans. He's like, I like those own. plans exactly, and he wanted to use them for himself. But it nothing happened with it, and and it's just it, there's just a slab of stone there now. Hmm. And it, and I w I was wondering where are the other wives buried like. So Catherine of Aragon is in Peterborough Cathedral, which was close to where she was when she died. Yeah. Anne Boleyn is in the chapel, um, the chapel in the Tower of St. Peter Avincula, 
And the other one, the other wives were just kind of buried around where they were living at the time. I see. So not nothing like special. No. Like... Jane Seymour is the only one that was given a queen's funeral. Mm -hmm. So she's the only wife that was given that. Yeah. Catherine Howard, of course, would have been buried at the tower too. Spoiler alert, she was killed. Um, so that leaves Anne of Cleves, who I believe is buried close to one of the houses she was living in and, um, Catherine Parr. So yeah, they were just kind of buried around where they were living. Okay. And then they listed the year 1538. I, I don't yeah. particularly remember them putting years. Is, is that a specific well, reason? Is that no, a special I mean, it's, year? it's actually kind of weird because that Robert Packington fellow was killed in 1537. So <laughs> Weird so it's like, here, that. we're going to bring up that we're slightly inaccurate. Yeah, um, but I think they, I guess they just wanted to show that time was... Just when it was. To, yeah, because she died in stuff. October 1537. So it's okay. it a couple so months like, later. Time has passed. That exactly. was like six because months Because I guess because we're still in the same season. So okay. like of the show. So I they see. Wanted so to they show. wanted to show that time passed. That, okay. I'm not a director, but that would that, be that my would guess. That be your guess. And then Robert pa Packington, which you already mentioned, he, yes. he was a real person. He was really killed. By, he was. And his, and was he, okay. his murder was probably the first gun, gunshot wound, gunshot murder in English yeah, history. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, were there guns? Like, was that a... Yeah, so like, there it were... out of place to me. Yeah, there were guns by this point. Very, very rare. But there's... There's stories during the Wars of the Roses, um, they were starting to have cannons by that point. And there's um, stories of some of the battles where the one side was trying to set up cannons, but it wound up like backfiring on them terribly because they didn't know how to They didn't know how to what they were doing and they blew each other up. Exactly. Up. And it all went sideways. But um, yeah, no, they there were guns by this point. Very, very rare. Yeah. Um, but they did. Huh. And so his, his was the... It was... He was murdered. Actually, no, he wasn't even murdered in 1537. He was murdered in 1536, November 13th, 1536. So we're off by like a year and a half here. Yeah. Um, and it was likely the first murder committed with a handgun. And his, his people, the killers were never found. Yeah. So they, the guy escaped and it was like one person. Yeah. And it was, it's something that they talk about a lot that is in Wolf Hall, um, not they, but um, Hillary Mantel writes about, it was a, a very jarring experience for Cromwell because he was a Protestant. He's actually listed as one of the first martyrs in Fox's Book of Martyrs that came out later. Um, so yeah, that's the story on Robert Packington. Huh. Yeah. Okay. And then someone floated the idea, I think, to... to Cromwell, that maybe it was Bishop Gardner or Lord Suffolk who had hired these men. Yeah. Were, were they people against Cromwell? Like yeah. So Cromwell, by this point, was starting to, you know, Cromwell didn't have this base of nobility that he could rely on. He was born, you know, of low status. And so um, I think by people were starting to circle, and people had always been circling, but he had the good, um, support of the king yeah but um at this point it's people are starting to circle they could see again. his his weakness and they were yeah and it was in their interest to have like craziness going on because he was the one who was supposed to keep everything in order and who was the one who was kind of like running things and and so if things weren't being run well then made him look bad exactly all right and then the king 
shutting himself away. I, I assume this was a real thing. Yeah. So he wore black for ages and ages. He was very, very sad afterwards. Um, he did. He he shut himself away. And like it, another sign of that is that he didn't get remarried again for like almost three years, like two and a half years. Um, which was really unusual considering he did only have the one son and he was getting older, you know, he, he really, um, yeah, needed he, he to really have, should, yeah, he, he should got have to it. Exactly. He didn't have a lot of time to waste with that. Um, and so, yeah, he, he was very depressed after. And did he go somewhere or what was he just in, in he was court? Or? Just, yeah. He was just hanging out okay. and shut himself away. Okay. But he didn't like go off to the North or no, somewhere. no. And then. The fool, I, I, should we talk about him now? Like the guy that we might was as that well. guy, was that guy like real? Yeah. Like his name was Will Summers. Uh, Will Summers. I actually did an episode on Tudor fools because it's, um, on my other show, cause it's really interesting the way fools were seen. Um, and you know, now it was generally people who, what we would say now are, you know, people with disabilities, um, people maybe with mental health issues. Um, and they would be these fools, but it's interesting because the way at in one point you could look at it and say, well, it was really bad the way they treated people because they, you know, they became fools and fools were that most noble households had a fool. And I'm using that term in parentheses or in quotes, yeah, um, as a, as a title or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, they would be there to provide entertainment, but also to be this kind of sounding board because they were allowed to speak freely. And that's the kind of flip side of how they were seen. In some ways, they were seen as being like touched by God, like they were very special. In, and that was one way that they were seen as well. Um, and so what came out of their mouth, it's that whole saying about that they were the only ones, you hear that a lot, that they were the ones who could speak truth to power and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they could they were, they had this almost special dispensation around them that they could say things that nobody else could say. Um, and it was because a lot of people thought that they had this kind of special power that God had given them and, and that's why they were different. Um, so it's, it's interesting cause you could look at it and say, well, it was, they were treated badly or, you know, they were made fun of or whatever, but it, it was also, there was a certain level of kind of, um, almost, I don't want to say like worship, but just kind of thinking that they were special. Mm-hmm. And so Henry did have Will Summers and he also had another fool called Patch. Um, interestingly, Patch had be- belonged, I say belonged again, you know, it had been employed by Cardinal Woolsey. And when Woolsey was arrested one time, or no, it wasn't when he was arrested, he was removed from one house to another. And he was so grateful that he was being given his life. It was right as his, his downfall was starting. Mm -hmm. He actually was so grateful. He was looking around for something to give to the messenger to take back to Henry, to thank him for this message that he was going to be safe. Um, And he couldn't find anything handy. And he said, Oh, here, take my fool. So he gifted patch to Henry the eighth. And there was like this weird rivalry between Patch and Will Summers. Like they kind of would say bad things about each other. Um, and it was, again, they, they could say pretty much anything, but there were a couple of times where they would get really, really close and Henry would get mad. And like the scene where it showed him punching him and saying, yeah. you know, don't play the fool. You might, you might lose or whatever. Um, and, and so they, it wasn't completely a hundred percent, but they pretty much could like 99% say 
whatever they wanted. Um, and there's a very famous painting of uh, Henry VIII and Jane Seymour and Edward, and then Mary and Elizabeth are on either side. And then in the background, um, you see the the skyline of London, and there's like a terrace, and on either side walking past is Will Summers. And then Mary had a fool as well, who was very popular, and she's on the other side. Oh, and cool. so they so were like in included the, in, in these. The painting. Yeah. That's super neat. Yeah. And so they were almost like a part of a part of the family. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it was a weird, it's a relationship that we, I don't think, could understand just because of how um, this kind of feeling that they were touched by God and, and stuff. I, I think it's a tricky one for us to, yeah. for us to understand. Anyway, that's my story on fools. And I did a whole episode on it. If people want to Learn dig more. deeper. Exactly. And then Frances Bryan's mother was mm -hmm. like a head head of Yeah, she was the head from Mary's time until yeah, she was the kind of head um tutor person not tutor, but the person who would have run the household. And then was Francis Bryan around? Like is that yeah. where he came from or he just sort of No, they were all nobles, I you see. know. They they were they it all wasn't... had the same they were okay. all cousins and second cousins. Like Francis Bryan was like cousins to the Seymour family and they mm -hmm. were all interrelated. Yeah. So it's kind of like asking like why is that Kardashian famous? It's like they're just they're all, all just famous. exactly. They're just famous. Exactly. Okay. Um and then this imaginary palace. Yes, like, the Palace we, of Nonsuch. Was this a th was that the were these the plans that were delivered to um, Cromwell or? Yeah, well, it so he built it in 1538. When um, you say built, like actually built. Yeah, no, actually. Oh, so they built. They this built thing. this thing, and it was amazing. <laughs> it was an amazing palace. I didn't. I didn't think this was. No, so, look at yeah. there's the sketch of it. A, a that's look, a, a look ahead. It actually gets built. That's a watercolor from 1568 of it. Okay. It was this amazing palace. Um it, and Elizabeth the first spent a lot of time there. It was actually they started building it in 1538. So it wasn't yeah. it was still incomplete when Henry died. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Mary and Elizabeth they finished it off and stuff. It fell into private hands and during the English Civil War there was like a lot of backing and forthing with it. Um, during the English Civil War, and it fell into this woman's hand, the Countess of Castlemaine, and she wound up pulling it down in 1682 to 83 and selling it off, pieces of it off to pay gambling debts. So the whole thing came down because she had gambling debts. And so pieces of Nonsuch Palace are still found in different buildings. You know, there'll be the paneling from something here or, or something else. and. Um, yeah, you're shaking your head. No, I'm just, I'm so aghast. Like, that's yeah. just ridiculous. I was going to say, can we see it? No, it's, no. they got pieced out for gambling. And so there's, yeah, I'm looking, there's these reliefs uh, in Lumley Chapel, believed to be the only surviving depictions of the interiors. Uh, um, and it yeah. It must have been was, gorgeous. It, oh, it was, it was amazing. It was this amazing palace. It's like the, the small... Palace of Versailles. Yeah. Yeah. It, All was, right. it was a beautiful... And look at those turrets and stuff. Yeah, what a shame. Yeah. What a shame. So it only was there for about 150 years, less than 150 years. That's rough. 
It is. I wish I didn't even know that. <laughs> really? Are you sad? It was just imaginary the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but I guess I guess it's kind of karma. Like it probably should have never been built, and so probably there you go. Probably not. All right. So did they go all the way to Naples to look for yeah. pole? This was like the biggest, and all of these different specific incidents, I can't speak to each to one the, of these happening, but it was like Europe's biggest manhunt for for pole. Um, he was, Henry VIII spared no expense trying to find him. They went all over the place. And did they really get close to, I mean, I know yeah. we can't tell if, he was five minutes away, but no, they got really, they close. got really close. And that was what was so frustrating. And that was also one of the things that brought Cromwell down was that he was, he was the one directing and he just couldn't catch him. He couldn't catch him. And it made Henry so mad. It mm. made him so I mad. Bet it, I bet it, you know, he, I can do anything. Like yeah. I can bring down the Catholic church, but I can't, but I can't find, find Pole. one man, one guy. And he's not even like the Pope or anything. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And do we have any idea that if Brandon's wife was yeah. like, yeah, that, I was, up, that upset about it all? I mean, so it's a couple of things. Is I mean, that it, she, it makes sense. I just, she was, she was very religious, so she would have been upset, but she was also very Protestant. So there's part of her that probably would have thought, you know, this was a Catholic uprising. She was a very strong Protestant. Um, so I'm not sure how she would have viewed that, but I'm sure she would have been upset about it. Um, but being very religious, she might have also been. But like, but we don't know we or don't, anything. She didn't know. leave behind a journal or no. anything like that. No. Okay. King was playing cards with yes. his with his fool, and they were talking about the fountains and things. Yeah. Did you want to say anything about the cards? Well, or? there were cards. Actually, you know, a fun fact. Um, apparently, Elizabeth of York is the inspiration for the Queen of Hearts in the modern card deck. So when you look, um, if you look at a picture of her portrait and then look at the Queen of Hearts on the modern deck, they're like the same person. So that's kind of funny. Um, But people, I mean, cards go all the cards are like before Middle Ages, like they're they're very old and there were different games. Um, And that's actually for a long time, Playing cards and tarot cards were like the same thing. You would divine, you would use mm. playing cards for like divination and stuff. Um, so that was another way that they were used as like to tell the future. Um, so there's that. And then the fountains. Yeah, there were fountains. <laughs> yeah. No, like there was actually conduits um, in London um, at this point to bring fresh water. There was... Um, different conduits that were built from the dit like the new river was one that was made um in islington now it goes through um and that was in north and there there were all these different rivers i mean the places that are like paved over now like the fleet river which is just a street like fleet street now it was a river then and so there were um there was something like seven or eight major rivers that are just underground now that are paved over um, and they would have had conduits from all of those places um, into fountains. And there's like, whenever there would be the birth of a child or an inaug- inauguration, um, a coronation, they would um, have wine flowing from the conduits for free. So people could just go take their cup and get drunk. And that was that. So oh. fountains, fountains were a thing. Fancy. It was fancy. We don't even have wine fountains. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a little jealous. We have wine boxes. No. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can't think that would be very sanitary, though, because, like, the pipes were lead and everything. It wouldn't. No, it would be a bad scene. 
And there was running water by the 17th century to homes where there would be these pipes. And actually, they were above ground. Um, this is getting way... But you, they would be these pipes that came above ground from the different conduits. And then you would pay to have it brought to your house. And so it was funny because like the streets had these pipes on either side that you had to like step over. And um, then you would pay a certain amount to have it, have it piped, piped into, into your, your home. Place. Yeah. So then we were at Edward's household the the, we the son mm-hmm. and they were washing the walls like yeah what what was up with all that was that was that yeah accurate? well henry the eighth was to start with quite um quite a hypochondriac himself um and was always worried about getting sick and so he the, he was very protective of edward and and there was um there extreme were, measures yes being to taken. keep him to keep him healthy and was he raised like that like ongoingly at least as well as long as henry yeah. was around yeah Okay. I mean, he was born in 1537, so he was, what, nine, nine when Henry died, nine and a half. And so, but yeah, his early upbringing was like that. Okay. And then they were talking, and then the, the architect or whoever it was, mm-hmm. was, was in there with Cromwell, and they were talking about improvements made to Hampton Court and St. James Palace. Yeah. And that was already ongoing. Mm-hmm. And, and then they also wanted to build this uh, yeah. non-such... Yeah, and you look at St. James's Palace, and it is very Tudor, and it has the clock, and it looks just like kind of like the Hampton Court um, mm-hmm. set up as well. And so that was all being done. And um, St. James's Palace had just been a hunting lodge beforehand, and then I they, see. So he it was he a massive renovation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And wh- why the name Nonsuch Palace? Because it was that none none such ever existed. Wow. So it's just gosh, what a shame. Yeah. All right. And then there was the, the giant fight outside, the, the big brawl or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Was that a thing? So there was all kinds of fights during this time. It was a really... It, and so there wasn't like one isolated fight. I don't know about that specific event. I can't find anything when I was looking this uh-huh. up about that specific event, but there were a lot of there were a lot of events, events um, and up, uprisings. If you yeah. Want well, there was just a lot of back and forth between like thuggery and, um, and all of that. So, and when I was watching sort of the question that I had was like, who would those people be? Like, not that, not that we know, okay. Uh, you know, King or uh, the Prince of whoever yeah. hired them, but like, what are the options? Were, were there roving bands of mercenaries? Were there, the equivalent of street gangs or was yeah. there like the equivalent of a mafia or something? I mean, it was probably a little of all of that combined. Okay. Um, there was like hired thugs that you could hire to, to, to start whatever. things. Um, you know, Cromwell, they say famously had, you know, kind of his boys who would take care of things for him when he needed to have that done. Um, and like a duke, would would they have people like loyal to them, or would they yeah. be like paying people? To... No, I mean dukes would have people that were on their land who were loyal to them, and maybe some of those like rising up had good skills and were willing to do and some so they dodgy might, things. They might outfit them with nice clothes and and swords and mm-hmm. say, "Can you go, you know, take care of some stuff for me? Kill a couple people and yeah, shake some stuff up. Yeah, okay." 
And, and then there were also hired mercenaries from different, like Germany, Hessian mercenaries were like a thing. And I don't know how much of that would have been like private individuals having them, but yeah. they, they were around. And I'm sure like, you know, they would come over to be used in different wars. And then I don't know that they always all went back. So there might've been some hanging out looking for work. It's all, it's, that's fascinating to me. Really? The, the underside of, of life. The uh, underbelly. Like I want to know. How would, how, would, how would they be contacted? How much would they get paid? I'm fascinated. All right. So Was this, there a network? Yeah. What about the size, like the physical size of court in, in relation yeah. to, I guess, that fight, how close would Cromwell have been? Would he have heard that out a window? Would he have been half a mile down the yeah, road? Yeah, he might have heard it. So there was about 175 court positions for gentlemen. So that's those kind of core positions for people. And then they would have had their families and they would have had their servants. And so, you know, court could be a thousand people. Okay. Um, till okay. you add up all of the different people who were there and, and everything. And they would all kind of live, live there. Yeah. They were given apartments. Um, they were, and so it was like a, a small, like a very, very small town. And that's of. why court was always moving because they would run out of resources. Yeah, they, so, they would just eat up all the food in the exactly. area and have to go somewhere else. Yep, they would make a big mess. The yep. sewage would be horrible. Yeah, there wouldn't be trash. Like there wouldn't, yeah. Trash they removal, They would just kind of mess that. the whole place up. So they would go and stay for, you know, a couple of weeks, And a month. probably be really good for business. I mean, everyone yeah. would like make well, a lot of money and they would like mess everything up. Exactly. And... The, the poor people who had to host them, it would eat their like when the king would go on progress and stuff in the summer the king would usually go on progress in the summer because that's when there was disease in london and stuff and they wanted to get out in the countryside and it was always really bad when if you if your house got chosen to host the king because i mean it was good for prestige but you, but would you always, had to pay for it you had to pay I mean, for like, it yeah people would you didn't go, get reimbursed no. like and people would talk about the expense and how horrible it was you know for their yeah. finances and how they hoped that they could make it up and in the future with you know if they made a good impression they'd get preferments and stuff but i don't know that they mm -hmm. ever made up the whole amount and then and then we get into like edward seymour yeah. Being very like possessive of the the child of of yeah. the young Edward was that a thing? Yeah, do he was, and I mean, I I don't know the specifics around this time, but I do know that by the time Henry died, he was always wanting to be in charge of of Edward and saying like, "I'm his uncle, I need to protect him," blah blah blah. And then after Henry died, Henry had initially foreseen a a group, a Regency Council to rule when Edward was a minor. And within a couple of days, Edward, Uncle Edward, was like, no, I need to be the one person who's in charge because I'm the uncle and you all need to like vote to have me just be the one person in charge. And he became the Lord Protector. And so England went from having a king to then it was supposed to be this whole council, but there was like but the then they lead had counselor, kind of a new the weird king. Exactly. Kind of and and so he became the Lord Protector. So it was always there was always this kind of thing of him wanting I think he saw that he had power through having custody of the king and he wanted to have that. So yeah. and he needed to protect that. And how long was he sort of quote unquote in charge before Protect the before he yeah. was the protector? He was actually killed. He was um he he was he did not make it he was killed for treason um so, yeah and... i was gonna say like it, uh, that doesn't seem like a good plan well he lasted for a couple of years and wow. then okay he, so a couple of years he unfortunately had to kill his brother so thomas seymour this is like way past our time but thomas mm. seymour 
went like he had like a breakdown after Catherine Parr died what after his wife died and he <laughs> he apparently um tried to take custody of Edward King Edward in the middle of the night tried to kidnap him and inadvertently shot Edward's dog which you don't shoot the king's dog there's Mm-mm. there's debate um there's there's a there's a couple of bloggers who say that no he was actually a good guy and he didn't shoot the dog there's like this whole mystery did edward shoot the dog yeah. or not but he most likely shot the dog and so then he had to be killed and so edward seymour had to kill his own brother um because there's no way out of it. you don't kill the king's dog and not die and try and, yeah, and try kidnap and kidnap him and king. all that yeah. yeah and no he was the king he wasn't just the future king he was still oh, the, the king, king at that okay. point and um and so and he was he was upset because he wasn't given the power his brother had all the power and then within another year edward seymour was killed because the the dudley family was rising and um so there was there was uh, people weren't edward seymour was actually kind of in a lot of ways the bernie sanders of the 1550s um he he was he passed a lot of legislation that was good for people and he supported tearing down land enclosures and it's a whole thing but he was very unpopular by from the noble perspective because he was supportive of the people and they wound up once again treading into political water right we neither support we neither endorse nor unendorse. In fairness to me, I have to give credit. Janet Wortman, whose books deal with that period, she called him the Bernie Sanders of his of his period. Okay, so, so this is just it's not a, me. This Blame Janet a, This is a quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Then there was the council that Cromwell called. Would, Would that... So just in a altogether, do we know that he actually called this council? Who would this council have been? Yeah. And do we know at all if it like transpired like that with Brandon calling him out and all of them walking? I out? don't think there was this exact episode, but he he was trying to there. It was the there were different counselors who would come together to uh-huh. form like every like a like a privy council kind of thing. Um, and he, he probably, he was trying to have control over it, over it because somebody had to be in charge. <laughs> Nobody was So he, he was, he was giving it an effort. Yeah. And, and was everyone as disinterested as they seemed yes. at him? And they were mad at him because he was giving it an effort, but like, who is he to give it now? Like, no, I he's understand. Not, yeah. If somebody's going to give it an effort, it should be a Lord or a Duke or, not this, you know, not, not this, this dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's caused a lot of the problems in exactly. the world. Exactly. All right. And then we talked about the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments, and I, yes. I thought this was like a joke or something. No. So he really, he really uh, redid the... Yeah, well, so he wanted to standardize. So this gets in... I know you're going to talk about the six articles yeah, later. Should we talk about yeah, that all we'll, at once? Yeah, I guess we'll talk or... about that all at once okay. when we get there. Um, was the king super like melancholy like that yes. towards everyone, I guess for a while? Yes. Okay. And this is also, I think you're going to ask about, did he have a cane and stuff? This is like when his legs started really acting up on him again. And like, so just he, everything kind of 
was yeah. not good because he went him. from being super active and super you know jousting and all of that kind of stuff to now his he started having he all couldn't these get around he couldn't exercise his like, wife just died run. yeah they didn't have like you know, workout machines back yeah. then they didn't have um antibiotics which would have like cured the well, whole thing for him yeah all right and then was Cromwell really pushing for a new marriage like yeah, this? Do we know? That's yeah. He he need. I mean, I think he saw that he needed Henry needed to remarry, um, and also he he wanted to be kind of the one who was in charge of making it happen, so that he could choose a good uh, could, a Protestant family to support him. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And Chapuis is talking to Mary, mm-hmm. and just he seems like the most redeeming character from this entire era. That's like, is, is, is he really as good, good of a guy as they portray him to be? Or he, was he just, does he play a good guy well? Like, no, uh, he had a very long career. And, um, you know, for, for somebody to have such a long career, they probably had to be pretty good and have the trust of, you know, you don't go into diplomacy people, yeah. and stay in diplomacy for a long time without having that kind of trust. So yeah, he was a good guy. All of his letters are in the, in the archives here in Simancas. That's why I want to go there uh, and see um, all of his letters back. I remember you mentioning that when we were driving by three years ago yeah. and I was, I remember you saying Chapuis and I thought Cause we drove right French. past it. We saw the, the, yeah, the, castle, the castle where they are. Yeah. There. Yeah. Well, that's okay. That's where I, our, you can see all of his letters. I like that Chapuis guy. Yeah. He's, he's a good dude. Yeah. All right. And then, and then there was the whole confusing thing. I don't know if there's much to talk about with it, but like the Lady Mizzleton, like the, yeah. both of their mistress, and they seemed like they wanted to marry her off, but he <laughs> wanted to spend another night with her, and it yeah. was all... So Hen- M- Lady Mistleton is made up. We established that like yeah. a couple episodes ago. Um, but it was Henry's... M.O., is that the thing? Yep. M.O. was to have affairs with married women so that if he got them pregnant, there wouldn't be the question. And also he could reward the husband with lands and titles and the husband would be grateful and be like, oh, OK, this is cool. And, you know, if he wants to shag my wife every once in a while, that's I'll, all I'll, right. I'll raise a son in my fancy new mansion. Exactly. And so that was, that's what Henry kind of tended to do with his mistress. And also because Henry was a serial monogamist and he just wanted to have kind of one at a time. And so it was um, good for him to have somebody who was married and stable. And then there was probably no chance that she wanted to marry him and that makes all sense. that. Yeah. So yeah. or while, marry someone else, it's going to be trouble. Like he, he knew he knew it was all stable and good and he could have a nice long term relationship and not deal with any of the. It's all very ew kind of <laughs> to me. I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, Henry in so many ways was so prudish um, compared to like the French court, you know, like at the French yeah, court, uh, it was everybody was just doing it with everybody else. And sure. um, it was just kind of this. Yeah. Um, and so Henry. He kind of got to give props to him that he kind of walked the he was, walk he was there. Really, he was really trying. He, he was really trying. Was really tri- I mean, and within the, <laughs> there was, within the context of being king and having all of these women available to him and stuff, he only had a few children outside of marriage that we know of. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, there was the one king who had like hundreds or whatever yeah, it was. I think eight, Anne of Cleves' grandfather had like 87 or something. <laughs> That's so it was ridiculous. like crazy. I mean, like you got you to gotta work yeah. to do that. Yeah um so yeah all right so then we have what's his name 
Oh, and the other problem with having royal bastards, and I say that term not as a pejorative, yeah. but for what it was, uh, Henry had come out of the Wars of the Roses with different people having claims to the throne. He needed to make sure if he was going to have children, especially boys, that they didn't have a particular claim to the throne. So if you were with a married woman and she had, then, yep. yeah, all of that. Okay. Then Paul is his yes. name. He got a letter. I, I'm sure we don't know if that letter existed, but he, yeah. he would have been getting threats for, from his family. Well, um, his family, at first they were kind of supportive and were like, hey, you need to come back and apologize and we want to have you come back and blah, blah, blah. And after it became clear what was going on, they were just like, like they knew they were in trouble. Like if, cause they were yeah. getting blamed and yeah. they needed to make it clear. Like, look, we are not condoning this. We are not involved. Like don't hold us accountable for what he's doing. And it was real. I mean, and we'll see, they, they did all get killed because I mean, of I'm, him. I'm sure. Yeah. I would imagine. And it's a really, I don't, I don't like Reginald Pohl for this. Like we talked about last time, like, doing all of this and but i get you know what he saw is like the whole it's hard for us to wrap our mind around like this life is like what's this life versus your yeah, this eternal is, this is just preparation yeah this is nothing for and if that's your mindset then um then that's... you can't you can't give it up for right. your family like yeah. you're you're saving all of them too or something exactly somehow maybe exactly because you're the strong one i'm not sure all right. Well, I then, don't like it. Yeah. The last part of, like, I have a few questions sort of mixed into one with, with the six questions. The six articles, yeah. Or the six articles. Like, yeah, who, okay, so first, do we know who that leader guy would have been? So the guy, the priest or, or whatever mm -hmm. came in. Richard, or the Stephen bishop Gardner. Or, yeah. Okay, Stephen Gardner, who... who was he, he was in? another, he, he also came out of Woolsey's service, and he was another um, bishop. And... High up, guy. high up guy and he oh sorry go on and why i didn't really understand why the king wanted to leave cramner out of it cramner cranmer um Cran <laughs> cranmer cranmer um well so henry was really like this is what's so weird about this period is there there were periods when henry was like kind of siding with the reformers and so you see people like cramer being raised oh. and gardner being down because because cranmer because uh -huh. cranmer is a is like a protestant, protestant if you will yeah. i see so he wanted to leave the protestant out of it yeah because he knew how catholic it was and right. he knew that he would probably not like it right and uh, also then the thing about these six articles come out and this is all, that was all true. The six articles came uh -huh. out in like 1539, I think, um, outlining these things saying priests had to be celibate and the, the transubstantiation was the, the big thing that Henry never, ever wavered on, which is that refers to whether or not the bread and the is actually, is the, actually the, the body of Christ. Of yeah. Bread. And until the very end, Henry never wavered on that, that, that it truly became the the bread or the body of Christ. And that was something the reformers were like, no, it's, it's um, metaphorical and blah, blah, blah. And so that would get you burned like quick, like, um, and so what was I saying? Well, I was going to ask when he came up with these, like, yeah. what, was it him and some people, was it like him and no, this like and him. him and Stephen guy, or it was basically him and yeah. he just had, that guy kind and, of well, say, he got them okay, all together and said, okay, we need to work on this. And, 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 and they might've changed some wording around, but they, mm -hmm. it was probably pretty much like, this oh, is what I want guys. Exactly. And this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And then, 
and then he presented it to everyone important that uh-huh that would have imagined that they would have had a say in uh-huh. this and <laughs> oh, but the man. but the big the big thing also was this is right when Henry VIII's great bible in english is coming out and being sent to every church in England, 6,000 copies of the Great Bible were printed in English. And this is the Bible that is based on William Tyndale's translation. William Tyndale was killed less than a decade before for translating the Bible into English. And By so who? Henry. Well, it was his people then. I mean, it, Henry wanted him dead for this. So Henry had been for a long time against having the Bible in English uh-huh. because the Catholics were against having the Bible in English yeah. because the whole thing was that you couldn't have regular people interpreting the Word of God because that would lead to all kinds of different opinions yeah. and you couldn't have that. And so the reformers like Anne Boleyn and the reforming Cranmer and Cromwell yeah. said, no, we, we need to have it in English so that people can read it and, and understand. Think, and, and know that the Pope is not mentioned one time in the Bible. Right. right. And also to be able to understand what they're saying yes to. Like that was their whole big thing is like people are saying amen to prayers. They don't even know what the prayers are. Like they don't, they don't have any clue. Yeah. And so the Anne Boleyn and all of those people, that side were leading for, were leading to have a translation. And so Henry gave in and had this translation and the frontispiece of the great Bible, it's this beautiful, um, I'll show it to you. It's this beautiful wood cutting that Hans Holbein did. Um, it's based on, on this Hans Holbein thing. And it shows, um, it shows Henry receiving the word of God, receiving the Bible from from God directly. There's the frontispiece, the Bible in English. And so God is giving it directly to Henry. And then Henry on one side is giving it to Cranmer or on to, to Archbishop Cranmer, who's passing it down through all of the different church people. And on the other side is giving it to Cromwell, who's passing it down to all of the secular people. And the goal is to have everybody then be able to read the Bible. And they printed 6,000 copies of this thing so that every church was supposed to have a copy of the Great Bible in their church that people could read. And this is what led to, what I think is so exciting about this is that it led to people having an education because the Protestants wanted for people to be able to read the Bible. So we have this huge rise in in literacy then. And, And so that was at the exact same time as the six articles, which were super, super conservative and super against it so henry really and there's an an asterisk like at the bottom it says we really wanted to make it illegal to read the bible but we just had six thousand of these things printed up so we're gonna let you do it but don't don't push it yeah exactly yeah don't don't tell anyone you read it exactly Uh, and um it's crazy yeah and it was it was amazing that they had these put in 1539 was when they started putting them in and (laughs) Um, you know, it was supposed to be that it was available there for anybody to read and anybody to look at. And I th- just think it's it blows my mind that that was right at the same time that the six articles so, were being it's passed. so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it was this kind of whiplash. Henry VIII didn't, he basically, he, he, he wanted to, like Cromwell said at the end, he wanted to just be Catholic. But yeah, without be Catholic the without the Pope. And it's, it's so, it's fascinating you know, like the Pandora's box of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I just want to cut the Pope out, just yeah. slice the Pope out and, and put and me in here yeah, and leave everything else. And it's like, he just totally blew the entire, like yeah. blew the entire thing up. And he did. And the, the whole thing on the doxology is apparently, and what's the doxology? that's at the end of the Lord's prayer oh, when you say the, for thine is the kingdom and the power and forever the and ever. Yeah. 
Amen. Kingdom and power and the glory. glory forever and ever. Amen. I, I like that part. Yeah, I like it too. So that you can thank Henry for that so when you say that. Um, so apparently in some of the very early Greek translations, there was something to that effect um, in the Lord's Prayer. And I went through this thing that showed all of the different translations of the Lord's Prayer. But by the Catholic period, they didn't have it. It was the other thing that he settled was, and you still see this in the Lord's Prayer, that some people say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And in the Anglican church, you say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And that was like, Henry wanted to clear that up too. Cause there was like some questions about whether it was debtors yep. or trespasses. So yeah, Henry was actually working on, on the Lord's prayer and um, making it unified. And he, he is kind of, the doxology was always sort of floating around in the ether. But he from, just kind of stamped said, it in there. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. It's all fascinating. There's so much to all this. See, now you know why. <laughs> I bet your podcast is really interesting. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> you can see why people like it. I did a whole series on the English Reformation back in 2017 during Reformation Month. I remember you recording all of these and yeah. seeing your posts and stuff. Yeah. I'll check, so. it, I'll check it out one day. That's okay. You don't have to. All right. <laughs> yeah so is that it that's it for this episode all right well thank you for listening thank you guys englandcast.com or the renaissance english history podcast to dig deeper into all of this stuff um you know what i should make show notes for this episode too that would be good. with all of the links and the pictures and the paintings and stuff so there'll be show notes there's watching the tutors.com exists so it forwards to a page that has the whole archive of this and so go to watching the tutors.com and i will add in show notes for this episode i'll link to it so from there so you, so you can, can learn more see there's so much fascinating stuff exactly i'm starting to get into this oh my goodness watch out all right watch out all right thank you for listening guys and have a wonderful Whatever you're having. Yep. Whatever time or day it is. And we will be back soon. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.